Matthew uh, chapter 24. Tonight we're going to uh, focus particularly on verses 4 through 14. If we get through with that, uh, we'll, we'll pick it on up through verse 28. But uh, we'll begin in verses 4 through 14. Um, let me read the uh, first four verses and I'll get someone else to read the next ten. Uh, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things? Uh, he asked, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Uh, every one of them will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered, what? Oh, Someone else is supposed to pick up here. Someone else pick up in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Okay, thank you. Hand these out. Uh, pass these around the table there. Um, recall last week when we were um, we kind of did the introduction in the first four verses. What's the situation going on there? Disciples are amazed at how wonderful it is, and they're drawing his attention to it. And he says, You know what? Not one stone will be left on another. And they're concerned about this, so they ask him a question. Their questions seem to indicate that they're associating certain things together, they, they have an idea about certain things. Um, and, the, and they ask him, Well, when is, when is this going to happen? When uh, is it going to be that the temple's destroyed? Not one stone is going to be on another. And they associate that with um, the end of the age. And what they're thinking of is the end of the age is that uh, the end of Roman domination and that where Rome will be uh, moved out. They're thinking at this point Jesus will be uh, bringing in his earthly kingdom uh, to, set up, uh, to set on the throne. And uh, they think that this will happen at the same time. They call it the, the end of the age and the end of the age of Roman domination, if you will, and to a, a righteous domination with Jesus 
uh, when Jesus come uh, and, and ruling. Jesus uh, answers their questions. He begins answering their questions tonight in uh, verses 4 through 14. Um, Sam Storms uh, speaks of this and he says events, uh, verses 4 through 14 speak of events to characterize the period leading up to the end. And again, the end being the, the end of Roman uh, domination and what they're thinking of is Jesus coming and setting up his throne uh, in Jerusalem and ruling righteously. He says, none of which in themselves are signs that the end of the city or the temple are immediately at hand. Jesus tells us that these things are coming, but that's uh, these things have to take place. He's saying in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of birth pains, but they're not the sign of the end. And then uh, later on, uh, he's going to, if, if we get to it on the back side, you see the other uh, notes for further on, and then he gets to when this end takes place. And so tonight, what I want us to do to begin with is uh, list the events that Jesus mentions in verses 4 through 14 that these things are going to happen. These things have to happen, but they're not signs that the end is near, right? Okay, so, so list for me uh, those things. What's the first thing that he mentions um, here in uh, verses 4 and 5? Do what? No one leads you astray. Yeah, no one leads you astray. There's going to be false Christs out there. Someone's going to be. There's going to be a lot of them coming, saying that I am the Christ. Uh, don't believe them. Now, uh, I want us to look up some verses. This is the first thing that he says is going to happen before the end, but it's not a sign that the end is is at hand. Um, someone look up uh, Acts. Uh, 5, 36, and 37. Who's got that? I will. Okay. Um, let's see. Acts uh, 8, 9, and 10. Okay. Sec or, excuse me, 1 John 2, 18. Anyone? Yeah. Okay, James. Okay, so Jesus is saying that there are certain things going to happen and it doesn't mean that the end is near. And so uh, he said, the first thing he says, there are going to be a lot of false Christs. They're going to come saying, I'm the one. And Jesus is saying, don't believe him, but it's going to happen. And so Acts 5, 36 and 37. For before these days, Thutis, Thutis? Thutis rose, up claiming to be somebody, rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Okay, so here's Gamaliel, right? Isn't that Gamaliel mm -hmm. there? And he's, he's telling, uh, they're, they're wondering what to do with uh, Peter and uh, James. Uh, here and saying, you know, maybe we, we need to put them to death too. And he's saying, don't do it. If this is something, but they're preaching, if it's of God, we can't stop it anyway. And if it's not, it'll die out. And he talks about other false Christ who have come. And he, he mentions two. So Jesus is saying it's going to happen. And here we see evidence of it happening. Um, Acts 8, verses 9 and 10. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. 
saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. Okay, so here we have this, this guy in, in Acts chapter 8 coming up, proclaiming to be a, a type of Christ. And 1 John 2, 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Okay, so he's saying many have already come, saying they were the Christ, but they weren't, and they were the Antichrist, and so he said that there, there were a lot of them. And so the first sign that Jesus says, that he's saying this isn't a sign, the end is near, it's going to happen, we see in, in this time, um, you know, immediately after Jesus, a number of things happen, and the first things, false Christs are going to come, and we already see that a number of them happen, or do come in the rest of the New Testament. What is the next thing that we see Jesus says is a sign? What's the next event that Jesus mentions here? Um, verse 6. Wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. Let me read to you a little bit about this. Um, the period between 33 and 70 AD witnessed countless military disturbances. and uh, An uprising in Caesarea took 20,000 Jewish lives. At uh, Scythopolis, uh, 13,000 Jews were killed. In Alexandria, 50,000 were slain. 10,000 were killed in Damascus. Josephus, uh, who was a first century Jewish historian, uh, he, Josephus reports that when Emperor Caliglia ordered his statue to be erected in the temple uh, at Jerusalem, which was 40 AD, the Jews refused. As a result, they lived in a state of fearful anxiety over the imminent war with Rome and were in such distress that they even neglected to till the land. Uh, in the uh, Annals of Tacticus, um, which describes events from A.D. 14 to A.D. 68, describes the turmoil of the period with phrases such as disturbances in Germany, uh, commotions in Africa, commotions in France, uh, insurrections in Gaul, uh, intrigues among the Par Parthenians, uh, war in Britain, and war in Armenia. Um, there were wars and rumors of wars going on during this time, we see. What is the next thing that we uh, see here? Uh, when nations shall rise against nation, uh, I think kind of a, a continuing thing, kingdom against kingdom. Famines and earthquakes. Famines and earthquakes, uh, natural disasters. Somebody look up Acts eleven twenty-eight. Okay, um, Acts sixteen twenty-six. Anyone? Okay. okay. You said twenty-six. Sixteen twenty-six. Correct. All right, Acts um, eleven twenty-eight. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Okay. These things are happening. Great famine going on. Acts 16, 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Okay. 
So you have not only famines going on. We, we know that Paul, in his third missionary journey, he's going to collect funds to help with the famine relief there in uh, Jerusalem, with the, with the churches there in Jerusalem, and with the other Jews there in Jerusalem. Uh, so we know that the famine's going on, and, and we also read of, of uh, earthquakes going on. And uh, remember Paul and Silas in the jail, and the earthquake comes and, the, and shakes the, the jail doors fly open. They're, they're there in Philippi. You remember the story. All right, what else is going to happen uh, during this time in between? There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning are the beginnings of birth pains, and then tribulation. Um, what kind of tribulations? You'll be put to death. You'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will behave by all nations because of me. Um, we see this a lot, don't we? Remember uh, Acts seven. What happens in Acts chapter seven? If I remember right off the top of your head. Stoning of Stephen. Stoning of Stephen, right. First Christian martyr, stoning of Stephen. And then in the first verse of Acts uh, 8, it says that a great persecution arises for the church at that time. And what happens? They scatter. They scatter. They go through uh, all the Judea, all, all, Samaria, all Judea and Samaria, and uh, they scatter. Um, as a result of it. We see throughout the book of Acts uh, the persecution that arises to the saints uh, during this time and many of them are put to death um, as a result. He's saying, it's going to happen. It's not the end yet. It's not the sign that the end is, is here either. What else is going to go on? So we, what we have here is a false Christ, military uh, conflicts, natural disasters, uh, persecution and martyrdom. What else do we see? Many will fall away. Many will fall away, and many false prophets will appear uh, and deceive many. Um, in Acts 20, 29 and 30, you recall uh, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He stops by um, Ephesus to you know, encourage them, give him his farewell address. And all that. And uh, then we read in verse 29 and 30 where he's telling him, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock, even from your own number when men arise and distort the truth in order to draw the stifles away after them. Um, so we see that it is going to happen. We certainly see it happening. Romans 16. Romans 16, uh, 17, and 18. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way uh, that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Uh, even the, the, the whole book of Galatians, remember what he's written in Galatians? He's gone away, and people have come in after him saying, you know, Paul wasn't quite right with this. And they tell him other things, tell them other things. Um, um, and um, 
So we see throughout the, even during the time of the writing of the New Testament, these things have already happened. False prophets are coming in. And uh, we see that happening um, already there in the first century. And then what happens after that? We, he's, Jesus mentions the events that there will be false Christ, military conflicts, natural disasters, persecution, martyrdom, false prophets. What else will have to happen? Lawlessness. Hmm? Lawlessness. Lawlessness, yeah. We'll see a lot of that. Um, what's in verse 14 going to happen? And betray one another. And hate one another. Yeah, we, we do see, uh, have seen a lot of that where the hate one another, betray one another. Uh, Paul's talking about Demas leaving him and going to the world, remember? And he talks about when he stood uh, for trial in Rome at one point, he says every, all, everybody had left him. You know, they're turning on him, betraying, turning away from him. Uh, what do we see in verse 14? And this gospel of the kingdom will. The, the, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Um, to the whole world, you remember in uh, Luke chapter 2, where does the census go? From Augustus Caesar, where does it go? The whole world. To the whole world, right. What, what does it mean? The Roman world, right? Civilized world at that time. Pretty much thinking of the of the whole world, whole civilized world at that time. Um, you see this uh, elsewhere at Acts eleven twenty eight, and I don't remember off the top of my head the context there. But I want us to to I want you to look um, at Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. Verse 6. Um, it's the second part of verse 6 here. It says, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. How far is, how far is the gospel reach at the time Paul is doing his missionary journeys and writing his letters. He says it's all over the world. Right? So th this has happened. We see it in Romans 1, uh, 8 as well, where Paul uh, tells the Romans, he says, you know, I give thanks for your faith, which is uh, heard about all over the world. Everybody already knows about your faith in Christ Jesus. We see the gospel reach into all the world. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples here, they're asking him about when is this going to happen? Where are these things going to be? And he says, here's some signs, here's some things, but they're not really signs that the, that the end is real near. Uh, these things are going to happen. And I want you to see that all of these things happened, uh, all of these things which Jesus said would happen, were happening between 33, uh, time of his crucifixion, and 70 AD. Okay? All of these things were happening then. Okay, so we do have a little more time. So we'll turn the sheet over. <clears throat> and so uh, verses 4 through 14, we see here in Jesus answering their questions. That the, verses 4 through 14 refer to, event, refer to events 
that are to characterize the entire period from 33 to 70 AD, none of which in themselves are signs that the end of the city and the temple are immediately at hand. Now we go to verses 15 through 28. And this is from Sam Storms. He says these verses 15 through 28 refer to the one sign that indicates the prophesied destruction is about to occur. Whereas the events from verses 4 through 14 are characteristic of the time and signal only that the beginning of birth pains, verse 15, provides a sign. The abomination of desolation that unmistakably confirms the consummation of God's uh, judgment against Israel has come. And so the first question there, we've already had answered to us, we see in verse 15, um, what is the unmistakable sign that the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy is about to take place? What is the unmistakable sign that the, the, the temple's about to be destroyed and not one stone will be left upon another? And here he tells us in verse 15, so when you see in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Uh, let, uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one uh, on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will take place in winter or on the Sabbath. <clears throat> For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would have survived. No one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false uh, Christ and false prophets will have will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. And so what is, the, what is the one sign that is the unmistakable sign that this is about to happen, Jesus tells us? The abomination of desolation, right? Um, what Jesus even tells us uh, the book, right? Where, where do we see the abomination Abomination of desolation. <laughs> I, I, can, I can speak. Where, Daniel. It's in the book of Daniel in, in several uh, different chapters in Daniel. In Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 11, Daniel 12. Um, we see the abomination of desolation referred to. What's that, what's, what is the abomination of desolation all about? It depends on Some I mean, I mean, it's, it's really chaotic at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay, Th this is true. Let me, <clears throat> uh, 
especially as we look at Daniel and, and his uh, prophecies and abomination causes desolation. Let me read to you just a little bit. And, uh, it says, the abomination of desolation is literally the abomination that causes desolation. In the Old Testament, abomination is an object of uh, disgust, hatred, something that causes revulsion, an idolatrous offense, or an affront to, to the true worship of God. Uh, the first and immediate reference was the king of Syria, Antichonis, Antichicus, uh, uh, who ruled over Palestine in 175 through 165 B.C. He called himself uh, Theos Epiphanes, uh, which is the manifest God, but his enemies called him a madman or the insane one. Um, in 186, Antichius uh, Epiphanes slaughtered 40,000 Jews and plundered the temple. He sacrificed a pig on the altar of burnt offering, sprinkled broth from unclean flesh all over the holy grounds as an act of deliberate defilement. He then erected an image of Zeus uh, over the altar. It was a sacrilegious, uh, it was a sacrilege of indescribable portions uh, indelibly imprinted on the minds of the Jews in Jesus' day. So they'd already seen what they might have thought was a fulfillment of that. But Jesus envisioned something of a repeat performance in his day of what had happened in 168 under Antichius. Uh, when he says, let the reader understand, he means let the reader of the Old Testament book of Daniel understand the true meaning and fulfillment of the coming of the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation there refers to uh, Antichius Epiphanes and his uh, declaration, uh, desecration of the temple in 168 B.C. And second, to something that was to occur uh, in, uh, in relation to Jerusalem and the temple within the lifetime of his contemporaries. Remember, Jesus tells them uh, all this is going to happen uh, before this generation passes. And so he's saying there's still something else that's going to happen. Um, so it, Jesus tells them, and we see it in Matthew here, he calls it the abomination of desolation. But in the uh, synoptic uh, account of it in Luke, Luke 21, 20, it's stated a little differently. And we will see, I think it helps us to understand <clears throat> what the abomination of desolation that Jesus was talking about still to come was. Uh, Luke 21, 20. Anybody have that? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies and know that it's this way, next way should come near. Yep. And that those who are in Judea please in the mountains. Okay. So, so in Luke's gospel, when he's giving Jesus is saying this, what he doesn't call it the abomination of desolation. Luke doesn't say that. But what does he say? The destruction of Jerusalem. Well, it's the destruction of Jerusalem, but but what is what is what would be the abomination of the cause of desolation there? That he, he says there in verse twenty one. When you see or excuse me, verse twenty. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. Yeah, so there's this destruction coming. So the abomination of desolation is, is coming by the surrounding armies that are coming uh, to surround it. I think we, we see there 
Um, this, uh, this actually happened with uh, Titus and the armies of Rome. Uh, they, they came and they actually put Jerusalem under siege in 66 uh, AD. And they begin the fighting then. This is at the time when you were talking about the zealots coming in and, and they come into Jerusalem there and begin to rule. And there's a lot of murder and awful stuff going on uh, within Jerusalem. Um, I want to read you some of that that was going on at that time. Um, if I can find it. some of the awful stuff that was going on within Jerusalem at the time by uh, that was written some of, from some of the first century historians who were there and witnessed it. Um, Josephus was actually a Jewish man, but he was working for the Roman army at that time. He had gone up to the gate of Jerusalem, asked them to, uh, two or three times, and he asked them to surrender, and they wouldn't do it. Uh, he goes on to say that as a result of this, he, he talks about all the uh, atrocities that were going on in the city. Um, so many people were murdered. Bodies were piled high. They didn't even have time to bury them. Um, some of the, their bodies they were just throwing over the, uh, over the, the city wall. Um, the Romans were, were starving them, you know, a lot, not letting any money, uh, food go in. They polluted the water so it wouldn't help them. Um, uh, people were starving for food and they were fighting one another for food. There's a story of a, of a lady who um, killed and cooked her son and, and offered to share him with other people and it just threw them into a, a, a tizzy just to see how awful the conditions were uh, within uh, Jerusalem at that time. Well, the zealots also had <clears throat> burned all the grinders. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, they, this is they were, they were not. This is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. They did, they, uh, the zealots burned the granaries that were in there. They did some awful things. Can I try and clarify? Sure. Make sure I'm following this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in Luke, the abomination is when you see the armies surrounded. Mm -hmm. So in 2415 here, when he says, he's saying, Daniel spoke about this abomination standing in the holy place. Mm -hmm. And when you see that abomination, right. and compared with Luke, when you see that abomination surrounding the city, then it's time to flee. Right. I got it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I think that's right. So that's, that's why he's bringing up Daniel, because Daniel said that abomination is going to make it to the holy place. Right. And he's saying it's going to come back. Right. And Jesus is saying it's going to happen. Okay. okay. There's another interpretation where they say when the Roman soldiers went in, the zealots had actually caught the temple on fire because Titus wanted to keep the temple. He really wanted to make that his headquarters. And the zealots catch it on fire. Then when they come 
So the, the, the Roman soldiers kind of go off on their own a little bit, and they, they help to destroy it. But that it, he is correct uh, with the zealots in the town. Um, they, they were not good and didn't do good things. There was a lot of awful things that went on in there. Um, anyway, um, so Jesus is telling them, you know, this, this abomination of desolation is going to come. It's going to be bad. And so what instructions does he give his followers at that time? Verses 16 through 20. Flee to the mountains. Flee to the mountains. Get out of there. Right? Um, it is interesting that um, during this time when the Roman army had surrounded uh, the city, there was a, a small break. Uh, when, when one of the rulers there had it surrounded and they backed off uh, for some unknown reason. And when they did, all the Jews, all the Christians left the city. That's all that Jesus had said. Huh? I want to say the name of Yeah, that sounds right. I can't believe I can't find it here. Okay. Okay, here it is. These instructions were, in fact, followed by Christians in Judea and Jerusalem. Some point to the fact that in late 66 AD, the Christian community leadership under Simeon, a cousin of Jesus, withdrew to a village of Pella in Perea, a mountainous region east of the city of Gal of the Sea of Galilee. History records the commander. Cestus uh, inexplicably and without warning ordered the troops to withdraw. This gave the Jewish believers an opportunity to flee the city in accordance with Jesus' advice in Luke uh, 21 21. According to Josephus, after Cestus' uh, siege and uh, retreat, the Jews left Jerusalem like swimmers from a sinking ship. By all accounts, no Christians died in the Holocaust that engulfed Jerusalem shortly thereafter. So they heard Jesus, and they, they left. So um, why was it so important for Jesus' followers to, to do what he told them to do? Uh, what would be the characteristics of the city? What would happen to them if they, if they didn't? They would be caught in the city. We see it in verse 21 through 24. For then there would be great distress, unequal from uh, the beginning of the world until now, and never will be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is a Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. Jesus tells them, get out. I'm telling you when it's going to happen. You're going to see it, and it's going to happen. And so get out so, so you will be uh, safe. You, you don't, don't sacrifice this. Don't stand up against the Romans uh, at this point. And so they get out, and as 
this uh, little bit of history we have here tells us that by all accounts, no Christians died in the Holocaust uh, that engulfed Jerusalem at that time. Um, as the uh, Romans come in uh, to the city between them and the zealots, it, it was uh, by, I, I think it was uh, Josephus, um, one million one hundred thousand died. Wow! Um, during the siege of this the city of the city, uh, the destruction was so complete that not one stone was left standing on another, as Jesus had prophesied. In fact, Josephus described how Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the whole city and temple, and it was laid so completely even with the ground that those who dug it up who who dug it up to the foundation uh, that, that there was nothing to make those who came thither believe it had ever been inhabited. And so Jesus is certainly telling them what, what was going to happen. And he's telling his people, get out. Now this, in a sense, is the, um, is the end of the age, is it not? Um, Jesus when he's talking about the persecutions and the, and the martyrdom, we have to see that he, he is looking uh, <clears throat> specifically towards uh, 70 A.D. And uh, that uh, these things uh, couldn't happen. Let's see, which, which verse is it where they're persecuted and they're put to death? Um, they're handed over to the, in the synagogues and... That's all going to be gone in 70 A.D. Jesus is looking at it and go, end of the age? Yeah, it's the end of the age of this temple here. See, uh, certainly it seems to be an end of uh, the Jewish people. But I think uh, we're going to see, as we go on looking at some other passages, there still remains a remnant. And there always will be a remnant. But uh, Jesus goes on, and I think he's telling, from this point on, and we'll get to it next week, he begins talking about another end of the age. And it's, it's still later, up to this point, I think up to verse 28 at least, he's talking about events that will happen within their lifetime, uh, within, in, in 70 AD. And then I think he begins telling them about some things that will happen much further on down the road uh, at the end of time, and we'll begin to see a little bit more about uh, what uh, the New Testament uh, teaches us about uh, the end of time and, and Jesus' return and some of the events in the mind. So we'll get to that uh, next week. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Let me pray.